My name is Tim, and I love Christmas carols. Honestly, I love all things Christmas. I've also been a church musician and worship leader for over 20 years. On this podcast, we're going to explore some of the most popular and beloved Christmas carols of all time. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Nope, not that. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Definitely not that. I mean, the carols many of us grew up singing in church or hearing on TV specials and movies. If you take some time and slow down and really dig into those carols, you'll find profound hope and peace. And in small pockets of quiet this holiday season, you can find comfort and joy. This is Comfort and Joy. Welcome to today's episode of Comfort and Joy. I'm glad you joined us today. I want to introduce my guest who is a great, uh, probably the longest friend I've ever had. Um, so my brother, Trey, is here. Trey has been a worship leader since 1997, 90, 96. 97, somewhere 96, in somewhere in there. So a long time. I mean, you've been a worship leader for going on 30 years now. Anyway, Trey has been uh, in in this in Texas for several years. He's worship leader in Texas. He's been a worship leader in Indiana. He's done um, youth ministry and discipleship ministry, but worship ministry was his main focus. and uh, And I am absolutely ecstatic to have him on today to talk about a Christmas carol that could not be more appropriate for our current. Um, climate that we're in. So today's carol is... I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. Can't get better than Bing Crosby singing this too. sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill. I heard the bells on Christmas Day is our, is our Christmas carol today, and um, it's a great, great Christmas carol that not everybody really sings. It's not a, no. it's not a super popular one to sing in church, but maybe it should be. Yeah, it's, and it's and fitting. and we and even earlier you were playing a a, a different version of this that I I kind of poo pooed you on, uh, and uh, you know because I this one kind of made it more popular, which we'll get into. This is actually a different melody than even those who sing it are used to singing it. So mm-hmm. I think the other one you had uh, was probably more... It's a melodic... It's, wait, it's more of the traditional singing? melody uh, that if you do sing it, that's what you're going to be used mm-hmm. to. But yeah, I think it's totally underused, and I think churches should use it more, and it's very apropos Yeah, for yeah. this time. It is. Uh, it is yeah. very... And I think that's... And you know, we're going to get into this towards the end of the podcast, but there have been a lot of versions of this song released, especially in the last 10 years. Right. Um, so I think we'll get into a couple of those and kind of talk about yeah. our favorites. But, you know, like I've said every week, uh, when I have a guest on, I've invited them to pick the Christmas carol they want to talk about. Um, so I haven't given it to them. They've looked through their carols that they like, and they've said they want to do this one. And um, so when I asked Trey to be on, and, and this was the one he went to, so really he's done the work to to um, to to do the research and the application. So Trey, just take it away. I mean, I'm going to kind of just be your color commentary, but I think you've done some great work on this. So lead us through this Christmas carol. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Uh, so yeah, several years ago, um, you know, I just kind of was going through and looking what are hymns that we haven't done in a while, and 
and had come back to this one and just started looking at the lyrics. And I said, this is really, these are really strong lyrics and, you know, they, uh, they avoid some of the fluff yeah. that comes along with, you know, and there's, there's a lot of nostalgia. There's a lot of, of the, you know, of, we talk about a cold winter's night, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. There's things that we've, we'll talk about. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, but I think, you know, because of the core of what Christmas is, there should be meat mm-hmm. to it. Uh, and so if all we are is, is revolving around the nostalgia and the warm feelings and stuff like that, then we're missing the big, and this, and, and this Christmas carol, this Christmas hymn, I mean, just hammers on the point that it's, it's gospel, gospel, gospel yeah. all throughout here. It's the so, good news. It's the hope. Yeah. <clears throat> so really doing the background check on this made me even appreciate this. Absolutely. More. So, yeah, like like you said, Tim, this was written by the American poet uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow way back in 1863. He actually wrote it on Christmas Day. That's um, cool. I love that part. And, and it was great. And he just he woke up and said, "Hey, what can I do on Christmas? I'm going to write a song that's going to last until yeah, you know, here we are, 2020." Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about it. And so then it was uh, set to music for the first time in 1872 by Jean Baptiste Cal uh, Calkin. He was an uh, organist, right? He was an organist, yeah. yeah. And um, and that's so that's the first time it was taken from a poem and, and set to music just a few years later. Uh, and then, of course, Bing Crosby released it that we just listened to back in 1956. That's kind of where it got a little bit more notoriety mm-hmm. and kind of became main mainstreamed there a bit more. So about 75 years <coughs> there, is, about, is that right? Yeah, about 75 years between when... From, from writing from to... From writing to... From its first uh, time cl- almost, to, almost close to 100. You know, if, you, if you're going from, you know, 56, original, from yeah. 1863 to 56. That's true. Math is not our strong point. We're musicians. We are. I Why are we to, trying I to do I to four or six. That's about all I got. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, but anyway, the, I, as I was looking through this, there were probably these three major events in Longfellow's life that, that inspired him to write this. Yeah. And this was very much uh, like a... Um, it is well, uh, Horatio type of thing. Yeah, I mean, and if just, you don't know that, that's just he lost yeah. Horatio. Well, we'll talk about Longfellow, but if you ever if you haven't heard the story of it is well, go Google it um, right now. Pause the podcast, go Google it. It's a great story. It's an amazing story, inspiring, also heart wrenching. So yeah. we'll wait for you. Yeah, and go. go. Okay. okay. So uh, in 1861, Longfellow, uh, his second wife that he was married to, he was married to uh, to her. Her name was Frances Appleton, by the way, and. Uh, he was married to her by 18 years, and uh, it's believed that she was in the middle of writing a letter and then sealing it. And you know, of course, back then you you know had the candle, dripped the wax, sealed mm-hmm. it. Well, she had dropped that candle onto her dress, and whatever fabric she was wearing just ignited immediately. Yeah, yeah. And so it's believed that Longfellow actually was the one who came in and was trying to extinguish the flames and mm-hmm. was using his whole body to try to put her out. And how so, wrenching! I mean, yeah. just yeah. I mean. As bad as it could possibly be, that's you know that's as bad as it was. So apparently she survived the night, but died the next morning around nine ten or so. And and he and just, this is it, after he lost his first wife to illness too. His first wife died right. of, of an illness too, and they weren't married very long. Right now, for whatever reason, and I didn't I didn't find out much about the first wife. Right, there wasn't but, a lot to but, that I found. Either. But apparently his this, Francis uh, created much more uh, issues for him. Okay. You know, that, that loss just wrecked him. And in yeah. fact, you know, he went on and um, he was so devastated by her death that he, he thought he was never going to fully recover. You know, he yeah. actually told people, hey, don't put me in a mental institution. That's how depressed he was. He mm. he went to the medication route, yeah. you know, to try to deal with that. Yeah. Um, he wrote, uh, and I'm just going to read a little bit of this. He wrote um, a poem called The Cross of Sorrow mm. to commemorate her, uh, commemorate her death. You know, this is several years later. 
Uh, and it said, such is the cross I wear upon my breast. These 18 years, through all the changing seasons, and seasons changeless since the day that she died. Wow. And it's this idea that 18 years had passed. But he was still frozen. That, that he was moment. still frozen in that moment. The seasons changed around him, and he was still stuck in that that's, despair. And so, that's, I mean, that's a, de- that's a textbook definition of trauma, that you oh, could yeah. stay frozen in it. So he yeah. was, that was a completely traumatic yeah. event. Which, and who would blame him? I mean, that's absolutely heart-wrenching. Yeah, and, and right. So that, that really drove him in his writing. And, and so then it would include, uh, obviously, this, this song as well. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that had happened, that same year, 1863, when he wrote this, when he wrote I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, he, his oldest son, uh, Charles, had joined the Union Army, didn't ask permission. Yeah, he ran off and did. I read just that too. Just went off and just, did it, you know, just like our, you know, our kids will do. And they, they get it, the, the wild hair to do something, they're going to go do it. Well, that's what he did. That's what he did. His yeah. son was... was seriously injured to the point where he could no longer you know serve as a soldier right and while he didn't die there was still just that now the war that had been external the civil war that was taking place had now moved from external to internal right it became personal at this point yep everything out there was just what well, this is what's happening around me but now it's now it has attacked my family my son sounds Almost like things that happen nowadays. I mean, oh, that's, that's yeah. very similar to, we're <clears throat> recording this, obviously, maybe this will still be listened to years away from now, but during the pandemic. Yeah. And it's almost like when somebody you know gets the virus versus just seeing it on the news. That's right. Then it becomes personal and it yep. becomes much more, um, it, it becomes something that you want to have a personal uh, interest in in seeing extinguished or protected against. Right. And it, yeah. it does, it changes your perspective on, on everything. So, totally. Uh, and then, and again, finally, obviously, the Civil War was taking place. So, these I think these three these three major events had kind of culminated and, and helped to inspire him writing this song. Uh, now, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see anything that that spoke of Longfellow whether he was a believer or not a believer. Clearly, when he's writing this poem, uh, you know, he he is quoting from Scripture, right? Okay. Uh, that doesn't again. It doesn't confirm whether he is or isn't, uh, but he used scripture as this motivating repetition in these verses. Right. It was almost the refrain it of, was, every, yeah, of every. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, uh, but anyway, that, that's that's kind of the backstory. And we do know that his brother us. was a hymnist as well. His brother wrote hymns. Okay. Um. So uh, you know, and it was it was a, another denomination that in the 1800s I don't know very much about how how faith-based or how, how biblically based they were but we know that he came from a family where there was obviously some of that mm. he was a poet his brother was a hymn writer and a music a music minister in that in that denominational uh, uh practice and so you know whether he was uh, like you said i couldn't find anything that talked about his outspoken faith right um but i would say he at least had a a faith of some kind uh, when you read this poem, sure. you would say, "Man, there's something in him that is calling out for um, hope in in the gospel, Agreed. hope, hope yep. in the truth." Yeah, I agree. Why don't you walk us through kind of just the 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 stanzas? Because the stan because this he was a poet first, you know. Obviously, that right. was that was, and so when he wrote, he was what they call a lyrical poet. Like yep. it, was, it was very, it had a very um, very strong pentameter to it, it had a very mm-hmm. strong meter to it. So when you read it. You can almost read it with a little but da 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 Exactly. You yeah. can have that yeah. kind of pattern it to it. Flows very well. It does. Um, and so, yeah, I mean that and that does help, especially with putting it to music. Obviously, that makes it easier 
you know, for somebody who's wanting to do that when it's already got you a rhythm to, modify to it. it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so, I, I think one of the interesting things that we talked about before we hit record was, and I had a, I had a version of it where the the verses were were changed, were mm-hmm. were put in a different order. Mm-hmm. And you'd found it in a different order. And I think yours were probably more accurate because we even talked about how yeah. you wouldn't bow your head in despair until after this point in the, right. in the song. So when we go through it, you're going to talk about kind of what these different verses depict. And so do Correct. that. Kind of Correct. unpack it for us. Yeah. So and it, so as we get to that point, obviously, the, 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 the constant through this, there's two constants in each of these verses, are the bells right. and what they're proclaiming, which is peace on earth, goodwill toward men, obviously. And that that's taken from Luke 2. Uh, and and fourteen is is that refrain, uh, but let me and I just want to read uh, that angelic proclamation because I think it's important if if we're going to talk about what those bells are proclaiming, I think it's important for us to know what's behind absolutely that. So yeah. uh, and I'm going to read out the New King James because it's closer to the original. Well, that and and you know Christmas time. Peanuts, Linus. That's right. And That's you know, he rocked at New Kings James. Lights, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Um, so it says now uh, it says now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great jo- great joy, which will be to all people. There's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was, a, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So when I'm reading this, this was, the you know, after Christ was born, the first proclamation of the gospel right. done by angels to dirty shepherds. I love that picture. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the pretty people. No, no, they did not go into the, to the rich people. They did not go to the presidents or the Kings uh, or any of those. They went to the lowly shepherds in the middle of the night in the cold and the dirt and the muck. And they said, saviors born goodwill towards men. And so I, I think that just sets off what the gospel is about yeah. from the very beginning. Um, so the whole idea that if the bells are like the voice of the church mm-hmm. with this, with this, with the poem, good news, yeah, with the, yeah. So and they're proclaiming peace. It's the gospel message that the church is proclaiming, um, and 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 so this is this is kind of where uh, we would need to look at is so so what does that mean uh, for the church to be doing right now? Okay, so like Romans one sixteen. There's a few, just a few verses really quick. Uh, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And Matthew 28.19, that's a great, great commission. Go into right. all the world, teach the, you know, preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. I, I look at this Christmas hymn and I see the bells, are, that's the gospel proclamation by the church, not right. just the physical church, but God's church, his people. Right. And right. so you kind of see that unfold as you go through this hymn. So, yep. yeah. That's good. So that's I think this good. I think that's important to, to just make that clear up front that this is the message of Jesus Christ dying for the sins of all mankind so that we can be reconciled to God. Right. In a way that nothing else can. And I don't want to, I mean, we'll come back to this, but just in case I forget, 
I, I think that's that's important to remember that the hope that we find isn't in hope in that everything on this side of eternity is going to be cut, turn out great. Right. The hope is in the redemptive power of Christ. Right. And that's where the church can ring the bells in the midst of the civil war, in the midst of the loss of a wife, in the midst of a son who's, you know, very heavily injured. And still the gospel can reign supreme. Still the gospel brings the hope. Uh, and I think, you know, in, personally in my life, and I know personally in your life, that is something that we've held fast to. Mm, yeah. That circumstantially speaking, a lot of times it feels hopeless, mm-hmm. right? But at the end of the day, our hope doesn't, to steal from another hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's right. right? That's right. So that is where, you know, when we get to Christmas time, and this is one reason why I love Christmas so much. Yeah, I like the lights and I like the presents and I like the nostalgia. But when it comes down to it, when you take everything else away, what's left is the hope of Christ, mm-hmm. the hope of the redemption in Christ. And so that's where I, I love that you picked this hymn because there's so much in it that points towards the hope being in that, that's right. in the gospel. So right. keep going. That's right. Yeah. So so just to kind of go through these verses, and again, uh, some of these, we, we if you sing this, mm-hmm. generally, uh, you know, one two, one, two, five, and six. Right. Are the ones you do three, four, five, uh, uh, three, four, five don't make it in just because uh, they're either more uh, written for the time, right? Because a couple of them are really focused on the Civil War, very much so. so like, right. and we'll get to that when it says the black accursed mouth. At first, you know, you read that and you're like, oh, that sounds very bad yeah, to say I read black that accursed this... mouth. Well, then it goes on to say it's talking about the cannons. Okay, right. so uh, right. it's, it's very specific to that time. There's really not a reason to sing it, but I think it's important when you're breaking it down. To see, there's a flow. There's a flow in the story, and it is very much. I think we talked about this earlier. It's very much like when you read a, a Psalm of David, where he starts off in this, in this, this, uh, recognizing who God is, and then moving to this point of, but life is so hard. Yeah, and then the turn that says, but you are good. Yep, yep. And it's just yep. so it, it has that very much of a flow uh, to this. So, um, so just real quick, I, I want to go through these, and then and then we can just kind of you know banter back and forth. We're good at banter. We are good at banter. Yeah. Um, so the the first verse. Okay, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So again, just kind of setting up there uh, the idea if we're talking about the gospel, um, and it should be very familiar, the church should be proclaiming the gospel. It should not be an oddity. Right. It should be normal. Right. Uh, but then even calls and says, I'm wild and sweet. Yeah. And I like that it stuck out. I, like, why did he put that? And it made me think of, and I don't know if Longfellow, again, I, this is how I This is your interpreting This is poem. me interpreting of this. Right. But the idea of the gospel is both wild and sweet. And and 1 Corinthians 1, it talks about the cross being foolishness mm-hmm. to those who believe. And you think about when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, that through one man sent into the world... And through one man, Jesus Christ, sin was sin was, was paid for. atoned for and yeah. paid for. Yeah, that's insa- it's insane. It's it, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, it it logically you just go, what? And there's nothing I can do to earn this. That God had to do it, and and I was an enemy when He did this. That's weird. That's yeah. That's wild. And so I kind of get that that the gospel, whether well, it's that part that is just you, you tell somebody and they go, that's too good to be true, right? You know. But then on the other side, there's this sweetness to the gospel too. That even Jesus was in Matthew. In, in Matthew, yeah, I'm looking down here. Matthew one, uh, uh, Matthew eleven. He says twenty, and, and he, in Matthew, and starting verse twenty eight, says, "Come to me, who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden 
is light. Oh. And it's this idea that that's it's just sweet. like, yeah, that yeah, is sweet. That's the gospel right there yeah. where, where, where he goes, I'm offering you true peace. Right. And, and, and a true lifting of your burden. Quit trying to do it yourself. I've done it for yeah. you. Yeah. Trust in me. Yeah. And so there's, that's, that's this combination of the gospel. Is both wild and sweet. The, so good. I love that he kind of uh, he sets it up there. Okay, so then uh, uh, then he moves on to like two and three, and and really both of these. Um, I thought of how the day had come. The belfries of all Christendom rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. Mm-hmm. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and just kind of looking at that and this idea that again. The bell, the bells, the gospel, right, right? It's rolled along. It's been unbroken. It's been proclaimed since the days of Christ, since the birth of the church. It has just been constant through all of history that it's been proclaimed and proclaimed again and again, and it's from night to day. Right. It's been there, and there's comfort to that. Yes. You know, and and that's what yeah. we're called to do. We're called to proclaim the gospel unashamedly and consistently into the whole world. Right. So I feel like you know, the two verses are just kind of again, just just continuing to build on that the the gospel and yeah. the, how the church needs to be proclaiming the gospel um uh, isaiah and in, in isaiah 40 uh, verse 8 says grass withers flower fades but the word of our god will stand forever. forever and i think about when you're saying that i think about the fact that we as individuals sometimes lack doing that we <clears throat> oh yeah we fall short of of proclaiming the gospel certainly but the church the, the global church has not. It's never because there's always somebody picking up the there's always somebody That's picking right. up the, the mantle to say, That's right. I will continue to proclaim the gospel. We see it if you go throughout the history of Christendom, there are times when certain countries are there. The, the exponential growth of the gospel is huge. Side note, it's usually when they're under duress. You know, you think about like South Korea when they, right. they, they exploded right. under under the duress of the government. Right. It was not because the government blessed it. Right. But. There's always, if you look at the, the history, the church seemed to thrive under the periods where there was a lot of, of turmoil. So why do you, and why do you, because I wanted to, to hit on that, but you already have. So yeah. why do you think that is? Well, I mean, it's purely opinion based, but I think when we are under duress, that's when our faith is tested. Mm. And when our, and, and I can only speak from a personal standpoint rather than a, you know, cultural standpoint. But personally, I have, I, my faith develops much stronger and the roots are much deeper when I'm going through, when my family and I are going through hard times than when things are easy. Uh, and I think that that works on a macro level and a micro level. I think when it, when the church is in a time of ease, mm. it's a, it's, it's a lot easier for the church to kind of coast, coast along right. to kind of just go along with the momentum they've already had going up. Um, there's a generation that is that builds under duress. There's a generation that reaps the benefit of that building. Then there's a generation that comes after that that kind of reaps Abuse, it, forgets that, it. that forgets it, yeah. and then you repeat right. the pattern. Right. So maybe it's three three generations there. So it seems the church thrives more under that duress than it does under ease. And that's all I'm trying yeah. to say about that is I think that's the reason is because our faith is tested. The reason mm-hmm. is because our faith is challenged and we can't just coast on our parents' faith. Right. Or the or the you know the generation before us, generally right. speaking. Well, and and I think the other thing too that you go back. I mean, even going back again, like we talked at the beginning, with who who did the angels go to proclaim the gospel to first? Right, not the kings. Those that were poor, those that were in need, those right. that were at the low end of everything that was. Yeah, and so the the gospel is for the broken. 
Yep. The gospel is for it's the, words the, of the Jesus. poor in spirit. Go, you know, Matthew five, Sermon right. on the Mount. Um, you that's where that's where even the recognition for the need for the gospel starts with is being poor in spirit, recognizing I am broken, I am a sinner, I am the problem with the world around me. Yeah. When I look around and say this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem, it starts with me. Yeah, absolutely. And it and that's that is a catalyst to even recognizing the need for a savior. Yep. And so it's this idea that that's why, I mean, we asked the question, why in hard times uh, are we more susceptible to the gospel? Because, because we're des- we, we have nothing else. That's right. We're, we're desperate. Everything else you see, everything else that you used to lean on is just balsa wood. Yeah. That's it good. just crumbles underneath it. And, and it's when you're at that point and then God goes, but take my yoke on you. Yep. That's so much easier than what you're trying to do. Okay, so going into verse 4 and 5, and again, these are ones that uh, aren't generally done, um, but you get into... But these are so interesting. I love these verses, and they're not sung for Right, and so uh, verse 4, again, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, it says, "Then, uh, Then from each black accursed mouth the cannons thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned... Of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Just think about man, just that being in that war torn time. Yeah, life. We're in the middle of this pandemic where I mean, we ha- some of, some people aren't even going to church still. Right. right. Some people can't meet. We've just now, within the last month or two, churches have started to open up. But think about that time period where churches were shut down. Yeah. And the normal of going to church on Sunday was just stopped. And I would think, okay, probably a civil war would have an impact. Yeah. On just the normal gathering. There was no, well, there was no normalcy at no, that point. No, not at all. And I, you know, I do think that it's, it's, it's important to, to talk about, I read that um, uh, Longfellow was an abolitionist. Like he was mm-hmm. very much an, an abolitionist of very slavery. Much, and yes. and I, that's probably why his son went and joined the Northern Army is yep. because he felt that same way. Yep. But I think that idea that even in his, even in his uh, poetry, He's he's pointing at the South as being you know probably mm-hmm. that's, and we you know obviously mm-hmm. our podcast is taking place in the South so we're not I'm not going to badmouth my right. own land right. but I will say this that that Longfellow recognized that um, this battle was was something that was at, at the heart of it was something was fought over um, the freedom of men and as as yeah. an abolitionist he saw yeah. that so I just think that line when I read that line I thought wow what a powerful line because mm-hmm. like you I mm-hmm. read the first part of it and went whoa what is he saying and then right. you read the line about the the cannon you go oh, okay, okay okay and it's a cannon to the south because yep. the north had cannons but yep. he's he's looking at the south so that's just a little kind of historical observation I had and so yeah so he he goes on and continues that on that thought a little bit and he says in verse five uh, it was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent. Hearthstone's a word we should use more often. Again, we don't use hearthstone we, anymore. Fireplaces, just, you know, meh. Let's warm yourself by the hearthstones. Right, hang yeah. your stockings by the hearthstones, Hearth, yeah. tots. Yeah. I, I um, miss some of that language that we don't say anymore. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's the idea that this war had just wrecked everything. Yeah. 
to the house, to the hearthstones, to the yeah. foundation of all that had made. Yeah, because even when a ha- when a house burns down, what do you usually see? Yeah, left? You, you get you the, fireplace, the fireplace. The hearthstones are left, right? So if it, yeah, and so that's this idea that it was it was this war was doing so much damage to the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. It was it was <sighs> if the gospel if you're if the angels proclaimed this this Messiah that was being born in Bethlehem that was wrapped in swallowing clothes was bringing peace on earth and goodwill toward men and if you're in a war torn country you're like what a joke yeah where's the peace? where's the peace yeah. yeah I want a little goodwill but my house is being blown up yeah my yeah. My, my son is injured yeah my wife is dead you know all these different things where's and you go peace? where's the peace and I think that culminates going into uh, it it, it, it kind of culminates going into um, uh, this this last uh, this last section here. Oh yeah, and um, I love it. But section. but but I mean, even before going into that, I mean, this is this is kind of where I landed on verse four and five, and again because we don't do it. But the idea of where he was, Longfellow was when he wrote this. How relatable is that? Now. Oh my gosh! It's like, it's so. What's what's going on? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you look at everything, you've got racial discord right yep. now. You've got the we're about to be the election, so because we're recording this in November or in yep. October, and we're a few weeks away from the yep. election, and so I mean, every time you turn around, and really, I don't want to get preachy, but not only is it is it if you if you jump on the socials at all, right. and you see political discord. It's not just Republicans, Democrats. It's Christians against each other. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and you go mm. and and you ask the same question: Where's the peace? Right, right. Where's the gospel in right. this? And I, you know, I've had to try to step back with as much with as much self control as I can, and not engage in toxic social media right. conversations. But right. I want to, man. In right. my head, in my heart, I'm like, oh, I want to just get in there and tell them what's what. I don't most of the time. But I think the reality is when people see that from the outside, they're going, Man, those two people go to the same church. Where's the peace in that? Right. How is that right. the gospel? Right. How is that the hope two, of Christ? Two, two, two proclaiming believers calling each other trash and bigots and sexist and homophobic. You, and, you can't be a Christian and, if you right. vote for X. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and yeah, it hurts it, my heart. That's exactly right. It hurts and, my heart. And we, we, we have missed the gospel at that point. Yeah, we and have. And we have just voluntarily handed over uh, the right and the privilege to proclaim the gospel because we've instead camped on our politics, right. on our on our cultural beliefs and these yeah. things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, just, when I read those two things, and I thought, well, we're not in a war, but we but we are, are in a yeah. cultural war yeah. right now. I mean, yeah. all these things you mentioned, just the hatred and the ugliness and the bitterness, and even you saying this, more than likely, people are going to be listening to this podcast post election. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder what. Fast forward three weeks from now, what does it look like? Man. What does our world look like? What does our country look like? Uh, you know, are, are we going to have more rights? Right? Are we are, are we escalating from bats to guns? Are we you know, just all these different things? We don't know. But here's here's where this leads to. Uh, yeah, here's where this leads. Let's to. land because it's feeling a little bleak right now. Yeah, so yeah. Well, and and intentionally it should be. Right. Again, remember, right. Where does the gospel begins with recognition of brokenness? Right. That's good. And and we look at our culture right now. It is broken. Yeah. You look at our world. It is broken. Yeah. Famine, war, genocide, racism, sexism, all these Disease. things. I mean, right. At all. That it is not indigenous to America. It is worldwide because it is humanity-based and because that is because sin is in us. And that's where you have to get to that point where you recognize these things yeah. before we can get there. And so so you know, Longfellow kind of starts off this nice, 
the bells, yay, Christmas, proclaiming the gospel, and now we're at this. And we've painted this dark picture. Oh, it is dark, and it, and it gets bleaker. So I'm sorry to I'm disappoint a, well, I'm you. A, I'm a movie fan, and so it almost feels like we went from a Courier and Eyes picture to um, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's right. And that's where it's kind of what it feels like right now. Blacks and gray. So let's. Well, let's, we're let's still going to be in there. Wa- well, let's walk through the na- the last part of this darkness because it does end like a Psalm of David. It right. ends with hope. Right. So right. let's let's keep so, going. So so getting into verse six, and again, this is where I believe uh, um, that uh, that we can resonate with right now. And it says in verse or in, in, in verse six here it says, "In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, mm. for hate is strong, and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men." Man, it doesn't get, it doesn't get and, much and, bleaker and, than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you think about it, even and, and even as a, a as a as a follower of Christ, who we're supposed to have hope, the idea that you would just bow your head and go. Hate, the the yeah. hate is so strong right now, and just and then and you thinking of Christians like you said earlier who, who are saying these, vile wicked things to yeah. other believers. Yeah, yeah. It mocks the song of the bells, the gospel message of Christ. Um, well, I'm bowing the head almost. I think. I mean, I don't. Again, we don't know Longfellow's how how deep his faith went, but I think about Scripture where we see Jesus bow his head. He gave up his spirit. He, he in that moment he gave up. So mm-hmm. I look at bowing of the head as almost going, I give up. Like, I, I just, I give up. Mm-hmm. And you could almost yeah. say in that moment, and, and we're going to get to the last ends. And if you know the hymn, you, you know where we're going to go. But it's almost like you have to come to the end of yourself before you can find the hope of Christ. You have to go, I can't do it on my own. Like, I can't. And it, right. I, I'm reading a little bit into it. I know that. Yeah. But I just think about those moments where you've gone, I, I can't do this. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't make it. And that's in the moment where you and everybody's experienced that in despair. I bowed my head moment in their yeah, life. Right. But it's almost for me in my life. It's in those moments where the Lord comes along in the form of a scripture or a song or a person in the church who's who's reached out to me and said, you don't have to do this alone. That's right. That's right. And then you come to the, and then you come to the hope that's found. That's right. The hope of the gospel, because those people are living out the gospel when they reach out to somebody who's in despair mm-hmm. and bowing their head. So, yeah, that's right. And and. You know, Jesus even kind of addresses this a little bit um, when, you know, the disciples are asking him about, well, so when will all this take place? Now, when's your kingdom going to be established? And, of course, they're thinking short term, like he's going to do this now. They're yeah. not thinking crucifixion. Next they're not month. thinking resurrection. Yeah. Right. They're thinking Jesus is about to, you know, destroy Roman rule and sit on the throne. And these 12 guys are going to be his generals, his governors, his yeah. Yeah. whatever. And so he's answering. He goes... This is, in, uh, this is in chapter 24, starting in verse 4. He says, Jesus answered them, the disciples. He said, See that no one leads you astray. Many are going to come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Mm-hmm. And this is where he starts to get what it's going to look like towards the end. He says, You will hear of ro- wars and rumors of wars. Yeah. See that you are not alarmed, for this must, must take place. But it's not the end yet. Oh, that's a, that's a big but. That's we right. That. For nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things, all these things are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then he goes on, verse 9, he says, Then they, the world, will deliver you, Christians, up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by the nations for my name's sake. Mm -hmm. Then many, talking about, again, believers, those who proclaim to follow Christ, then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Mm. 
we just talked about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, and are we seeing that? Hello. Yeah. And because lawlessness, lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Mm. I mean, Jesus was laying out exactly how it was going to be as we reach the end of time before he returns. And man, if, if we haven't been there, we're there now. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and like, if we're not there yet, that means it's going to get more cold because lawlessness will increase even more and right. the love of many will become more cold. But here's the thing. Jesus leaves them off in verse 13 with this sliver of hope. And so does Longfellow, which is so I'm going to kind of tie this in. He says in verse, uh, in verse 13, Jesus does in, in Matthew 24, he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Yeah. So he says, all these things are going to happen, but if you persevere... Hold on. Hold on tight. Hold yeah. on. There is peace going to be on earth. There is goodwill toward men. And the goodwill towards men is that, is that you will be saved if you endure yeah. to the end. And so here's this last verse that he gives. Um, and, 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 and he wraps it up, verse 4. I mean, sorry, verse 7. And he says, um, But peel the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I mean, I, every time, like when I sing that, when I read that, it just fills me with such hope. Yeah. It's this idea that, yeah, we are in a bad way. Yep. I mean, you look around and go, we are in a bad way. Yeah. Regardless of where you stand on issues. Yep. But it says, then peel the bells more loud and deep. And to me, that is a call to the church of you need to proclaim the gospel more boldly, more loudly, more strongly. Yep. You yeah. do not, you are not to be affected by the culture around you when you see things getting bad. Because, again, what Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 24, but if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. That's the hope. That's the promise. And because of that, we are not dictated by our world around us. Right. We, we pull up our big boy pants and pull up our bootstraps and we go and proclaim the gospel more loudly, more deeply because there are people dying. Yep. There we, we there are people that are lost and broken and they don't even realize they're lost or broken. Right. And it says, so so here's what Longfellow's saying. So so this gospel message, the bells peel more loud and deep and what do they say? God's not dead. He's not dead. Nor doth he sleep. He doesn't sleep. Right. I know it seems like that. People go, hey, if there was a God, he'd do something. Well, there is a God, and he has done something. Right. And that was Jesus Christ 2,000 right. years ago. And, he and here's the good news. Yeah, that's right. That's the hope. The peace is not now. The peace is to come. Right. And he's and so so here, here we're as a church. That's what we're supposed to do, to proclaim this more loudly and deep, this idea that there is grace and there is truth. Yep. The grace in that... While we are still sinners, Christ died for us, and the truth is, you are a sinner. Right. But he has he has rectified all of that through, through Jesus, Jesus Christ, and that's the that's the bells, and that's the earth. bell. That's the message of the church. Um, and and again, just a reminder for us that the wrong shall fail, the right prevail. Yep. And that is not a and and that is not based on our definition of wrong and right. That's God's definition. That's right. And that's the only one that matters. And usually our definition of right and his aren't, don't oh, line up. Oh, they don't match up at yep. all. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so God is the determiner of holiness and righteousness and goodness. Right. And that's what will remain. So, and, and I want to read, uh, if I can, 1 Corinthians 15. Come on. Uh, 55 through 57 here. Uh, and it starts with a little bit of, of Paul calling back 
to Old Testament. And he says, um, he reminds them what it says, that death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah. And then he goes on and says, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Death has been eradicated. Christ has already, I mean, death has no power. Sin has no power. And this is what we forget a lot of times as believers, is we are looking, we are looking for the victory to come. The victory has already arrived. Right. When Christ rose from the grave, victory That's was victory. done. We are living in victory now. Even though the world around us is still suffering from the curse of sin, we are victorious. It's a, it's a phrase I like to hear, I, I've used, and it's not original to me, but it's the already, not yet. We're already mm. in the victory, mm-hmm. but we're not That's yet. Right. We're, not, we're not. We're already living with the victory. We're not yet aware of the victory in, in its in its fullness. That's right. It's the already not yet that we. That's, that's right. And I love that. Uh, I mean, I, and I, as you were reading that, I was thinking, those first two lines I've heard I've heard interpreted before that that uh, Paul was almost mocking death in those first two lines, like almost jabbing at death, saying, "You got nothing on me." Yep. And I think back to Longfellow's poem where he says that that peace on earth and goodwill to men were mocked, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like it, we get to flip the script. That's right. We That's get to right. flip the script on sin and death. Yeah. We get to be the ones mocking death, saying, you got nothing on us because right. we've got the victory in Christ Jesus. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and so and, and that's so to me, that that is this culmination of the reminder that, you know, we, we are not going to understand what peace is like. We're just not. Right. Because as long as humanity exists on this world, there will not be true peace. Because there will be greed. Because there will be uh, there will be animosity. There will be hatred. Uh, there will be the devaluing of people, or or basing their value off of their gender, or their race, or their culture, right. or how much money they make. So as long as we exist, yeah, <laughs> as ourselves, there's not going to be peace or true peace. Complete peace. Yeah. It's we we look at pieces. We look at pieces as this thing that what makes us comfortable. Uh, what, what, uh, do we live in a world where there's no, uh, strife or war is it easy? or disagreement? Is it easy? Yeah. yeah. And so where is that going to happen? Right. I mean, not on this side. You you can't even get two people married, just two people to be at peace. And these are people who stood up and said, I love you forever. I yeah. will, you know, I will be at my most, most vulnerable with you. I will sleep. In the same bed as you, you could do anything to me, and I wouldn't even know it. That's as vulnerable as you can be with somebody. Those two people can't live in peace. Right. So how can you expect an entire how could you world? Expect, yeah, how can you expect a, a city or a nation or a country or a world to, to do I think, that? I think, and you know, where we, we were talking about with this podcast, kind of finding pockets in your world now of comfort and joy, of comfort and of joy, and I think peace could go in there too. Is that when we're when we're living the gospel out? Mm-hmm. When we're when we're as as one person said, we're Jesus with with skin on, right? right. We're Jesus. We're, we're Jesus in our in our world now. I think that is um, that's where we live in peace. And does that mean everything's easy and everything works perfectly? No, absolutely not. But that is the peace that we find right now. That's how we mm-hmm. live in it with some with peace on earth now. That's right. And we won't we won't find perfect or complete peace fullness until after. After Jesus has finished this 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 part, or until I mean, you could say until after we are are dead and we're with Him in eternity. But I think there is peace to be found now, but only when we're living in a way that that God has designed us to, which is living out the gospel. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly so, right, and that you're exactly right. So. Whew. 
Yeah. Man, this has been good. It, this has been, been – I have really uh, enjoyed – kind of like I said when we started this, you've done some great research on this. Uh, and uh, obviously your, 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 um, your experience in discipleship has come out and that you were able to really unpack this in a way that – I think each listener is going to be challenged and and uh, able to grow in their faith because of, of what we've just kind of talked about and how we've unpacked right. this song. Right. I do want to go to something a, a skosh lighter for a minute, and we're going to land with something a little bit less, maybe less um, heady. So we do we... want to end with politics then. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I want to talk about our favorite versions of this song. Like, I want to oh, talk yeah, about versions yeah. of the song okay. that, that we love. Uh, and that we enjoy. And so I asked you this question. And, and so I'm going to play a little bit of your version. And then after it plays a little bit, um, kind of talk through what, you're, what, what you like about it. It's a long intro. The... Like I was just sitting here going, hmm. They're setting the musical stage, I guess. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're all familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, good It's a Mercy Me's version, yeah. yeah from and, and you can't go wrong with Bart Miller. He just has, he has such a great, a voice great verse, and uh, the whole rend, you know, just the whole rendition of the song. And musically, it's just done well. But again, Mercy Me is just that's a solid group anyway. Right. Um, they took a few, you know, took a few uh, changes on some chords there, mm-hmm. just kind of changed the flavor up a little bit. But that's the hymn um, melody we were talking about earlier. That's, that's a melody we're used to seeing the, in the church. That's yeah. exactly right. And so, and they added a little bridge in there, which mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. I don't I, we. When we did it in church, I didn't necessarily do that just because I wanted to stick to the to the hymn to the to the hymn portion. Um, but what I like is that musically, you know, they they came down on the in despair, you know, so it, there wasn't as much drive. Yeah. But then, um, you know, leading into that last verse, you know, it was everything just build and culminated to where you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men, I can hear them. So it just kind of builds this. Builds, up, builds up with the idea that you know that's what we're left with. Yeah, is we're coming out of this muck and this mire, again, much like you know Davidic Psalms mm-hmm. that just we're, leave with hope. We, yeah, we leave with hope because well, God I, has reached down and heard our prayers, and has pulled us up and set us on a on a on a dry rock and and has yeah. covered us in the shadow of His wing and so just all of those things. But anyway, so I, you know it's it's just a it's just a good solid. Well, I'll leave a, I'll leave a link to that song in the show notes, so okay. if you can go you can go find it in Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you get your music from, um, because uh, yeah, it's a great version. I've I listened to that one. My favorite version, actually, for similar reasons, but a different setting for sure, is. Um, the version by Casting Crowns. I heard yeah. the bells on Christmas Day. And their melody is a little bit is different. It's different. They're it's very much the setting, but the minor setting. Well, and as an arranger, um, it's never a bad idea to use children's choir in a Christmas setting. 
you have the peace on earth with the children's choir and that's always a very powerful kind of musical tool and again similarly um when they get to then peel the bells more loud and deep it goes to a major mode yep. like this is minor uh, yep. and it has that very sad somber feel yep and bringing the kids and that's right always, yeah and again new, new chorus new chorus yep. right um so that's you know and and I haven't done this one congregationally, but we did this with a choir several years ago. Right. And it was very powerful. I yep. think it's a great setting. Uh, again, not necessarily congregationally singable because of the way it's done. Right. But which and that's, is, that's something we consider as worship leaders when, right. we're, when we're programming. Which is why I defaulted to the Mercy Me version sure. because it was traditional melody. It was the same melody that if you opened up the hymn book that we don't use, that right. we have. That's what you would find, right? And I think that's—I um, don't think I've done this one congregation. To be honest, maybe no. I've done it in the traditional service, but not our more modern service, right? And, and we, you know, I remember the first year that we did it. You know, there was the question of, well, this isn't very familiar. And I said, well, and I understand that. However, we're looking—we we, we want to do songs that you know, one are, are biblically accurate, right? That you know, proclaim the gospel. And I, I feel like it, I mean, everything. 100%. There's nothing yeah. here. Yeah, that doesn't fit that narrative, and the plus the fact that we, you know, it is seasonal. Yep, um, it allows us the opportunity to do that. So yeah, I, I think it's and and but the casting crown, you know, but again, casting crowns is just just a solid musical group. Yeah. So whatever whatever they're gonna you know turn out is gonna be gonna it's be good. It's good. Yeah. But we have you know three different versions. The the Bing Crosby that we played, Mercy Me, Casting Crowns. Um, we're gonna leave in the show notes. Also, we'll leave links to those. We'll leave links to kind of some of our sources we use today. So that if you want to do your own digging mm-hmm. and your own research, it's always good. I mean, Trey and I have have done some research and some study on this song, and so I feel confident what we brought to you was was good and was was authentic. But man, I'm always encouraging re- do your own research. Read, read, uh, dig deep. It helps you appreciate a song better when you know the story behind it, and that's what we've done today. Right. And and then just again to remind you that. You know, with going through the verses, that's my interpretation. Yeah, you know, when absolutely. I'm reading this, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about about anything art related, is that you know it is open to the to the listeners or the or the, the observer, the viewer inter- yeah. interpretation. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the 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 source of the art will explain. Here's what I mean by that. Right. Um, but not in every case. And I think it's intentional. Right. And so again, I want to make you know. So you're not going to find. You know, confirmation that Longfellow meant the bells were the gospel proclamation. Right, that's an interpretive. That's an interpretive uh, right. uh, liberty that you can take. Right, but yeah. you will find for sure the last refrain on every verse: "Peace it's on peace earth, on. good goodwill to men." You'll find two things: one, that it is in the Bible, in Luke chapter two, and two, that it is truth. That's right. That it is yeah. truth. Yeah. And even when you don't feel like it's truth, it's truth because God is a God who keeps His promises. That's right. All throughout history, go back to Abraham, go back to David. He is a God who keeps his promises. And if he says, I have victory over the grave, he does. He does. You can count. And I know we won't see peace until sin, death, and the devil have been eradicated. And as long as we exist, as long as sin exists, that's going to be the case. Right. But the gospel is hope and it is truth. And honestly, and I just want to, and I'll say this, and maybe put this in the show notes too, or a link or something there. Uh, you may be listening to this, and you've either heard the gospel, or maybe you have been abused by a church, uh, or maybe you just don't agree with this. Uh, maybe you are in a place where you feel absolutely hopeless and lost. And I just want to make sure that you know that God did not die, or Jesus did not die for the good. He did not die for 
the the churchy people. Right. He died for the broken. He died for the hopeless. He died for the ones that struggle with depression. He died for the ones who have um, said and done horrible things That's right. in their life. Yeah. And um, it says that, that he uh, came to us while we were his enemies. Yeah. He loves the ones who curse him. Yeah. And so when you say the gospel isn't for me, I, if he knew how bad I was, he knows how bad you were. Yeah, there's nothing you've done that's hidden <laughs> from him. There's nothing that you've done that's hidden from him. That's exactly right. right. And yet he loves you still. Yep. So there is hope in Christ. And so if, if you don't know who this Jesus is, I mean, I, I want to make sure that we have a way that they can reach out. Yeah, I will somebody. make sure. I will make sure that in the in the show notes, we'll put a link to the church, mm-hmm. and I'll put a link to my email address right. with with there, and then I can connect them with you or with me. We can get them connected with. We'll make sure in the show notes that if you want to know more about this hope that we talk about, please cl- click the link to 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 email one of us. Click the link to, right. to Meadows Church. Um, and, and please don't let another day go by without recognizing that, that Christ died for you, for you. That's right. And, um, I I love what I heard a pastor say last week that as much as I want to look like Jesus every day, I want to look more like I'm a person who needs Jesus Mm. every day. That's you great. Know? Isn't that great? I just heard that. It, it really set me down because I thought, man. I don't know that I have a problem with that. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. No. I, 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 so, uh, Trey, thank you yeah. for being on here. Uh, I have been, uh, this is so much fun. This is our like third, second or third podcast to get to do together from different for different venues. And so we'll do it again. Comfort and Joy was recorded at Torn Curtain Studios in Plano, Texas. It was produced by me, Tim Groves, and Meadows Baptist Church. For more information and links to sources for today's show, please see our show notes. The theme music for Comfort and Joy was written and arranged by Dennis Lambert. For more info or to support him and his craft, you can do so on his Patreon account, and you can find that link on our show notes. Finally, remember to check out meadowsbaptist.org and join us for our weekly live stream services Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Stay safe, stay hopeful, and remember, there is comfort and joy this holiday season, no matter what season you're in. Mm -hmm.